Hello, one and all, and welcome to the Super Show podcast, episode number 199, Josie. That number just keeps on getting bigger. We keep ticking closer and closer to the big 200. I'm your host for this week, Jamie, and joining me as we break down a week that delivered gaming news courtesy of all three of the major console families is my friend and yours, and the designer-in-chief of one of my favorite pieces of abstract art of all time, aka the thumbnail of this very video, it's Mr. Alex Jones. Talk us through your creative process, sir. We need to know. What are your secrets? Uh, look, I, I don't want to give everything away. One part of being a creative is not telling people how the process works, because sometimes people think you're kind of crazy. Um, but... No, yeah, this was a collaboration between me and multiple AI image generation softwares, as I'm, I'm sure people can probably tell. But um, yeah, Phil spilled the beans. So we had to I mean, Do you know what? It, 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 I was about to say it is what it says in the tin, which itself is another accidental bean joke. Uh, but Phil did indeed spill the beans. And you have uh, represented that beautifully, courtesy of, as I liked how you put it, is your AI collaborators. I think that's something we have to get used to is artists coming forward and saying, no, I did make this. It was in collaboration with uh, various pieces of artificial intelligence. Um, I feel like you're breaking new ground already, Josie. It's quite funny because so what the big news of this week regarding AI and last week was uh, OpenAI's Sora. And we started to see some of those videos pop up and people tweeting them out and they were kind of everywhere. And obviously in our industry... A lot of people were saying, "Oh, it's the end of like, it's the end of people making videos. It's the end of having to worry." And I, I, I kind of had that feeling, but then after a while, I just thought, "No, it isn't. Someone has to stitch all these different clips together. Like, if that was the case, Shutterstock would just be a, you know, would be a replacement for editors, and it isn't." Right. So uh, no, we're fine, mate. We're going to be alright for a few years to come yet. Yeah. You know what? I'll take your word for it. And. The other person whose word we have to take this week is Phil Spencer, and he believes that the people that are going to be around for a little while yet and fine for a little while yet are the fine folks over at Xbox. We're going to be talking about everything that they had to say in their business update podcast. Those feel like it feels like a bit of an oxymoron, like it's a business, but hey, they did it. Their wording, not ours. Uh, we're going to touch, uh, as I hinted there earlier, also on some PlayStation news and some news about the future of Nintendo and their hardware plans. Um, and all of this is available to you on a number of different platforms, at least one of which you are tuning into it on right now. It's on YouTube. Um, it, it was, little peek behind the curtain here, at one point live on YouTube. And between me and Jonesy, we don't really know where the blame lies. I'd say blame loosely. Um, no one's actually at fault. But we had enough internet problems that we decided to bring it offline this week which is why you're seeing this as an upload rather than the VOD of what was once a live stream product. That means, Josie, we're going to miss out on your favourite part of the show, which is talking to the chat. I know. Unfortunately, we won't be able to do that this week, but um, uh, at least we'll have a solid show where we won't have... And I, you, sorry, you started to say blame. Do you want to attribute blame? I would attribute blame to ISPs. It's their fault. In Whoever's True. fault it is, it's the ISP's fault. Come on, let's have yeah. some more... Uh, so some more serious internet, internet that works no matter what. Yeah, fuck them. They're putting caps on the amount of data we can use. They're uh, like cutting off our speeds during you know peak usage times. Fuck them. Um, they they do everything wrong, and all we do is foot the bill. Um, 
That's a yeah. That's our platform now. We're just a fuck ISP podcast with a little bit of gaming on the side. But you know who doesn't have to go fuck themselves, Jonesy, for the time being at least. Who's that? Podcasting platforms, because they continue to host this fine podcast. I'm talking about platforms like Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. If you haven't already, you can head over there and listen to the audio-only version of this very show. You could even leave it a review if you feel so inclined. I also have to give a shout-out to Paisley Radio, the people who keep the show beaming out through the radio waves, albeit digitally speaking, over at paisleyradio.com on Thursdays at 10pm. One of those weird things, as we joked before, where you can actually watch or listen to this podcast whenever you'd like, because it's a just it's available on demand on a number of different pod, 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 platforms. But if you want to feel like there is some risk of missing it, like you're rushing back from the <laughs> kitchen with a cup of tea and or coffee, and you've missed the first minute of the show, then Paisley Radio apparently is the place to be. Um, Jonesy, how about we dive right in and talk a little bit about Phil and his beans, seeing as you grace us with that thumbnail. I'm so ready, man. I want to know all about Phil's beans. But, well, do you know what the funny thing about Phil's beans are is that actually I was looking back on our recent episodes and a couple of weeks ago, one of our leading news stories was us sitting around and looking at Phil holding the tin and we were guessing what the beans were. And I think it's fair to say that the guesses at the nature of those beans and where and when they might be spilled uh, led to a bit of a furore online. Namely, we were talking about the potential for Xbox to go multi-platform in a pretty big way in the future. We were speculating about titles such as future hits, you know, Indiana Jones potentially, recent hits like Starfield, iconic franchises like Halo, all potentially hitting other consoles, in this case, probably the PlayStation 5 or the Nintendo Switch or other future consoles that those manufacturers may release. Um, and that led to speculation that the whole thing was unraveling Xbox influencers were retiring, um, people were throwing their Xboxes in the bin, there was a lot of noise and a lot of uncertainty, and that has all been addressed largely thanks to this uh, business update podcast that I mentioned earlier, where Phil Spencer was joined by, I think it was Sarah, is it Sarah Bond and uh, Matt Booty, who, uh, Matt Booty is still one of them, I think one of my favourite names in the industry, the one that's close is, there's a guy at Bethesda, I don't know if you remember this from E3's Gone By, he does a lot of the Elder Scrolls Online stuff. He's called Matt Firor. I think it's like F-I-R-O-R. But the first time I heard him say it, I thought he was called Matt Thyroid. So I just kept calling him Matt Thyroid. Um, and I don't know, that's one of my favourite E3 memories is just saying Matt Thyroid whenever that guy came on stage. Uh, did you get a chance to catch... Sorry, uh, go for it. No, I was going to say, for me, the best has got to be Bowser. Mm. Like, uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, how, You're right. How could we forget Doug Bowser? Yeah, you can't work anyone out. You can't work anywhere else except for Nintendo with a name like that, can you? That's uh, no. It's like being called Baker and working for uh, a baker's. Like you know, that's that's amazing. Exactly. Like Doug Bowser is so befitting of that company and um, and that role that I'm sure there was actively a, at some point a conversation about whether they couldn't give him such a public facing <laughs> role because of his name because it would seem like a joke. Like. To have a name so good, it actually almost costs you a role because of how perfect it is. That's when you know you're in um, the kind of territory that Matt Thyroid can only dream of, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're you're born to do that role. Yes, exactly. Um, I don't I don't want to ask what uh, role Matt Booty was born to do, <laughs> but um, uh, but it wasn't up for one of the it wasn't one of the topics up for discussion on the business update. I was going to ask, did you get a chance to catch 
any of this or have you been scouring headlines? No, I, I was purely scouring headlines with regard to this one. I didn't actually watch the update. I, I will probably end up watching it after this podcast or recording at some point. Um, but because we'd already covered it, obviously we knew uh, we knew the sort of things we were going to hear. But there was some some good updates, some good sort of insights, and some confirmations uh, in the headlines yeah. for at least at least for this little um, business catch up. Yes, absolutely. Starting with what I think was uh, top of most people's list in terms of what they wanted Phil to talk about, which was addressing those cross-platform or multi-platform plans. And Microsoft have now confirmed that four as yet unnamed Xbox exclusives will be released on other console platforms, presumably the PlayStation 5 and the Nintendo Switch. Now, Phil, for whatever reason, didn't uh, talk about which games these were specifically, but he did talk around those games pointing out that two of them were kind of community-driven, potentially multiplayer projects that made sense to get on other platforms in the same way that Minecraft and Destiny 2 are also on quote-unquote rival platforms already. And the other two were slightly smaller scale, uh, single-player projects, perhaps not even projects designed to be the start of a new franchise, things that Xbox didn't even necessarily consider big, exclusive first-party titles that just kind of ended up being so as a result of some of the companies they acquired. Um, basically, it uh, hasn't taken people too long to quite literally put two and two together, and in this case, get the names of the four games, which we believe, according to uh, sources such as The Verge and VGC, to be Pentiment, Hi-Fi Rush, Sea of Thieves, and Grounded, a decision uh, to that Phil Spencer claimed uh, was made to ensure the long-term health of Xbox. Jonesy, I mean, a lot of questions in there. What like from what do you think about the four games and how much sense you think they make to what do you think of the whole furore around the whole subject now that we know that this is the only thing happening in the immediate future? Um, and also, to what extent do you believe that Phil is right about this being for for the for the long term health of Xbox? Um, I don't mean to ask you three questions at once, but how, like, give us your thoughts. And I, I'm completely on board with. I, I, let me start with every time Phil Spencer comes out and confirms or talks about a big, um, you know, a, a big button issue from Xbox, I like him more and more um, with how honest and how direct he is. And I totally believe that when he says it is for the long term health of Xbox, I'm if you put that together with what they were saying last year about the fact that Xbox has has not done as well as the PlayStation and they've quote-unquote lost the console war. I think the long-term health of Xbox is pushing games out to other platforms, specifically onto the Switch, which I think is a fantastic platform for a number of games. Um, like, for example, Hi-Fi Rush and Pentiment, I think, will be fantastic Switch games. Um, and yeah. then also, but, and also, to be fair, like Grounded, you know, I think would be a fine Switch game. And Sea of Thieves, maybe a little less so for, um, that, you know, when you're talking about like graphics and things and how well they're going to run. I don't know at this point on Switch. Um, but for me, with these four titles, this really just says that these are test beds for types of games because you've got like a very well-received indie uh, well, not indie, I suppose, but you know, you know what I mean. Like Hi-Fi Rush is like a, is yeah, it's like Indian spirit almost. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we've we've often talked about how you actually classify, but obviously, you know, owned by Xbox is not an indie, but whatever. It's that Indian feel, Indian spirit. Thank you. So you've got a game like that, so they can see how that's going to perform across other platforms. You've then got some of those um, multiplayer games we talked about in the shape of Grounded um, and Sea of Thieves. Totally makes sense to put those out and see if they get some more traction with a wider audience because that's they're going to be revenue generators for people, games like that in the future. If they can push those out, get wider audience, cross-play, et cetera, et cetera, 
that is the health of the Xbox right there. That's how can we make more money off stuff that we already own the rights to and we can push out. Um, and yeah, and Pentiment as well. I think Pentiment is, uh, is I think it's the only one on this list that I haven't, um, that I know the least about, I should say, Pentiment. But I, know, I remember when you were saying about playing it, you had a lot of good things to say about Pentiment. So again, I think it's it's another testbed game to say, hey, this game was received well, could have been bit like could be bigger. Let's push it out, see how well it does. So even though they've said these four games are going to other to the platforms, and they haven't mentioned any others, I just see this as a currently or at the moment. But we'll see a lot more if these work, and if this works for Xbox, then we'll definitely see more games in the future. Um, you know, to join the likes of um, Call of Duty and. Um, uh, Oh god, I can't remember the game Minecraft? you just mentioned. Minecraft, yes, thank you. Minecraft and um, uh, other uh, all the other Xbox, every other bloody IP that Xbox own now. Um, yeah, yeah, it totally makes sense for them to push them out. Sure, I mean, uh, yeah, and you're right because uh, I think Phil, between this business update podcast and some follow up interviews he did with a few hours, did kind of say as much. Um, he was asked in the podcast specifically about Starfield and Indiana Jones. Because, of course, there were reports in the build-up to this podcast that they had been at least in consideration for PlayStation 5. And he said that they would not be going multi-platform. But in a separate interview, he said, um, quote, I don't think we as an industry should ever rule out any game going to any other platform. So there is an element of this where he was, I think he was kind of playing both sides. On the one hand, he was putting a bit of a foot down and saying, hey... And if you folks that thought that see if excuse me Starfield and Indiana Jones all of a sudden you're going to come to PlayStation and you didn't need to buy an Xbox anymore, pump your brakes. Like we're still making games for us and we're still trying to make sure Xbox is the best place to play. But at the same time, he is making some pretty loosey goosey statements when it comes to um, what their plans might be in the future, such that you know if we do arrive at a time, which I think a lot of people probably stu still do believe we will, where Starfield and Indiana Jones do arrive on PlayStation platforms, then Phil can just point back to this quote and said, hey, I've been honest and open since day one, and I don't think we should rule out any game going to any other platform ever. He, I don't know if you saw, but he immediately started beating the drum by talking about Helldivers. Did you see that? Yes, um, I was actually going to reference that, because see, see, he, yeah, he very vocally came out and said he doesn't see how it benefits players by effectively not having Helldivers available on Xbox. Something I would completely agree with him. I, right. I, um, I think I got caught up in the in that a little bit and tweeted out something saying like I'm looking forward to the day when we're all about to lose Super Earth and the Xbox gamers will join and then then we you know that, what I said I think I said what an amazing moment in gaming that history that would be if just as you're about to lose it uh, Arrowhead Games are like here come the Xbox players and then they flood in and it's literally like reinforcements and then you're yeah and, and there's been a lot of that there's been a lot of play like PlayStation Bros who've been saying. Oh, I'd be sick to get the Xbox guys on hand, and there's a lot of Halo memes, you know, and joining um and saying that how it'd be really cool for them to sort of join and with Helldivers. So we know that Phil, at his heart, is a is similar to we often say that we are is the is for the gamers, and we don't really want to um uh what's the word? We don't want to like um stop anybody from from being able to play games. We want as many people to play games in as many ways as possible uh, for like the health of the industry, and because we like to play games across many platforms. I would say I think these two games specifically, though, the reason he may have said no to Starfield and Indiana Jones. If I was going to be, if I was going to try and break down why you would mention those two, and you could say that this is uh, because of like good business practice, for example, is 
you you want Indiana Jones to only be available on Xbox at least for a time, right? You don't want to say, yes. just wait because Indiana Jones will come to PlayStation because you want people, if there are any, to, th to have that thick consideration of maybe now is the time to buy an Xbox so that I can play Indiana Jones, right? Um, and this is going to potentially is going to be a massive game for them. So completely appreciate why you would maybe not want to say that's going to come to any other platform at the moment. And when it comes yeah. to Starfield, I don't think that's anything to do with Starfield per se. Like, I don't think Starfield going to PlayStation is going to be, is going to be any skin off their nose. I think maybe that's a, a wider Bethesda conversation of, do you want people to start to think, oh, just wait and Bethesda games will all come to PlayStation anyway? Or do you want people to think, okay, Starfield was a little bit of a miss, but it's still Bethesda. I still love Bethesda. So maybe the next Bethesda game, I'm going to have, I'm not going to be able to get on PlayStation. So maybe I should get an Xbox. Sorry, I'm, I, I lost you there for a second. Uh, no, it's cool. I saw, uh, yeah, I said, do you think it's a, it's a wider conversation that they don't effectively, they don't want people to assume Bethesda games are going to be coming to PlayStation. So it's less Starfield because Starfield is like a bit of a, not a damp scoop, I don't want to say that. I like Starfield. A lot of people didn't. Um, but they don't want PlayStation owners to just discount the idea of getting an yeah. Xbox completely. But potentially, although I, I I think they've kind of ended up in a situation now where like either going on there like that that's that in itself is feels too broad. Like you because when you're talking about Bethesda, yes, you're talking about those premium at one point extremely mass market open world RPGs that they make, like Starfield. Then of course you know the Fallout's and the Elder Scrolls games before them. But of course Bethesda encompasses. For example, it and the future of the Doom franchise, and I've right. I've seen a lot of people speculate again, whether with or without knowledge, I don't know, but speculate about the future of Doom, and maybe Doom is a franchise that actually benefits from being day and day on PlayStation, and it's one of those. So I I, I think that even within um, brackets like Bethesda, and now we can add Activision Blizzard to that, um, the Xbox, are, I think they're going to play it fast and loose, and I think. In much the same way that these four games couldn't necessarily have been predicted at one at one point in time, but now we kind of understand the case for all of them. I think that maybe their tar their their policy is going to be less about like hard and fast rules and more about looking at you the use cases and the uh, like looking at individual titles and saying this makes sense cross platform, this doesn't, and then you get more and more granular. Which platforms does it make sense on? How long is the gap between? the exclusive Xbox launch and the arrival of other platforms. And I think between that, we're going to see a bunch of stuff. We're going to see things that arrive on Xbox and a year later on everything, things that arrive on Xbox and never come out to anything else, things that are everything day one. I also think that, for example, PlayStation fans out there need to be wary of the fact that there are going to be things that are Xbox day one and then Xbox and Switch year two and like never PlayStation. Right. So I think they're going to continue to experiment and mix and match with all these variations on and all this was i think was uh, you know phil spencer and, and the team coming out and you uh, almost like using these four games and using all these talking points as a way of easing xbox fans into the idea that this is going to happen this is for the sake of the business but and we'll get in more into more detail on this later um other key parts of the business like game pass and the hardware side of the business which a lot of people were really worried about are still super important to us, right? So, yes. Yeah, so, do you see this then less as like a test, which is what I was considering it as, and more like the thin end of the wedge? 
I think it could be both. I think sometimes okay. tests are the thin end of the wedge just by That's their true. nature. Yeah, sure, for sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you don't, like, you don't have to follow up with the full wedge if it's not if it's not quite working. Yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. I like I, I think that Phil was definitely being very careful and very coy when it came to how they announced some of this stuff and how they discussed some of these titles, which franchises were and were not talked about. And I think they are very aware of the very aware of the fact that the four games they have picked all have a case for them that can be made that isn't going to tread on the toes of the hardcore Xbox fans. There are very few Xbox fans out there that are going to be crying themselves to sleep at night because PlayStation players are getting to play Pentiment. There would be considerably yeah. more, and they'd still be virgins, don't get me wrong, there'd be considerably more Xbox fans crying themselves to sleep tonight if the next Halo was confirmed to be arriving at PlayStation day and day. You yes. Know? And so there are levels to this. But I also think, and I, I don't know if you agree, that while Phil used the opportunity to say, hey, Starfield and Indiana Jones are not going multi-platform, those conversations have absolutely been had internally. Phil Spencer did not shove those folders or those documents off his desk when they were put there. He read those documents. <laughs> he saw where the lines were on the graphs. He thought long and hard about it, and they will continue to think long and hard about it. You know, there's a constant battle going on. It's not just for you know bottom lines and for profits and for revenue and against the other people in the games industry. It's also for hearts and minds. You know, they know that they're fighting on all fronts at all times. Um, and which is why, uh, you know, when you say thin end of the wedge, like, I think, yeah, to a certain extent. Because the other thing is, the other companies are going to keep doing this as well. You know, like, I, and that's not my way of saying that I think we're going to get Mario games on, on the Xboxes or Playstations in the future. But, like, there's been a lot of chatter about PlayStation and how, you know, their PC policy went from you get these at some point to you get these at the same time. And Helldivers 2 is the first time that's happened, and it's working extremely well for them. Um, and that's going to keep happening. There are going to be more and more play PlayStation games that come out on PC day and day, and it's going to become a bigger and bigger revenue driver for them. And just, I think what Phil's banking on here is there have been times, sorry, I know I'm talking a long time, there have been times where companies have come out and done something too radical and too bold, and the consumers shot them down, and we reflect on them and say, oh, they weren't wrong, they were early. Um, yes. And I think Phil is just being very careful to make sure that this is a case of Xbox not being wrong, but being early. And the longer you wait, the more right you become, and the more right you become, the easier it is to squeeze other things through that ever-growing wedge. No, agreed. And, and I think you, you mentioning Helldivers is, is apt, because I do think that gives an insight into how he's thinking more broadly, which is which is the idea of no game effectively from what he say he said in and the, the way he seems to be thinking is no game should be like absolutely like never yeah. to any platform he's thinking like you said he's thinking he's thinking about every game he's considering every option he's can he's not just pushing those folders off the table he's not just outright just saying no to things and i mean i would find the idea that day and date halo a new halo title could come to playstation would blow my mind that would be that would kind of be the end of uh, consoles being protectionist against any of their like mainline IP. Um, but th 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 yeah, there's I suppose there's potential for one day, um, one day in the future for that sort of thing to happen. But um, but no, no, I I I agree. Like I said, I agree. The Helldivers thing, I'm I'm with it. I think it should go to Xbox. I think that would be really cool. I think I think crossplay yeah. Xbox would be fantastic. So yeah, when this 
it would it would be very interesting to so to watch PlayStation respond to all of this. And PlayStation have had big problems swallowing their pride in the past. You remember even going back to something. It seems so trivial now, but do you remember when crossplay was a huge problem for <laughs> yeah. PlayStation, and they were coming up with all these bizarre excuses about protecting their player bases and all these things, and how like painting you know interconnectivity between a PlayStation 4 or whatever it was at the time and Nintendo's platforms and Xbox's platforms as like a threat to their users and all of a sudden you know the biggest games in the world like Minecraft and Fortnite were like please like let let, let crossplay be a thing for fuck's sake <laughs> and it took PlayStation a long time to realize how antiquated their kind of we're on top and we don't need anyone else outlook was and how much you know a you know, whatever the the expression about a you know a rising tide and what it does to all ships, um, I think very applies can apply here under certain circumstances as much as it can apply and has applied there. Um and I think that's that that that's the, the drum that Phil uh continues to bang. And if there's one thing that he has been very consistent on in his messaging throughout his time at head of Xbox is that like a bigger a bigger industry is a better industry for everyone, and it doesn't matter you know, if you're going to be number three, be the be the number three in the biggest, most like prolific revenue generating get version of the games industry that exists. Um, and I, I I totally see where he's coming from. One of the things that will continue help them continue at least to um, stay active in the scene, Jonesy, and not disappear into the ether as some people uh, thought they might do or even wanted them to is of course Game Pass. Uh, Xbox have for a while now been one of I guess the leaders, industry leaders when it comes to services and subscription services. Uh, Game Pass was touched upon in the podcast with a quote that Xbox quote excuse me, Game Pass quote will continue to only be available on Xbox platforms which essentially shoots down any suggestions that it may come to PlayStation or Nintendo systems in the future. D not a shock, right? Not a shock now. Yeah. Okay. Not a shock now. Right. Uh, I I can I don't know when, but I think the idea that Game Pass will be available on Switch and PlayStation, I I can I think that won't be that far off. Like the the, the real oh. I think the not when I say that far off I'm t I I'm talking years. I'm not talking sure sure sure. Yeah. I'm not talking months or or a year or even two years. You know more than that. Um, but. I can imagine a time when the real sticking point with that is going to be PlayStation saying they don't want it. Like, I think that would happen. For, I think Xbox would offer it and PlayStation would say no, because, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, PlayStation can be quite funny about yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and, it's, and it's only going to be beneficial to Xbox at that point. And yeah, like you said, they you might be number three in the game in the game's console chart, but actually if you're the most, if you're making um, the biggest margin, and you're do you know you're selling it to a lot of people and you're making a lot of profit. It doesn't matter if you're number three if you're making you know percentage wise you're making more. Um, yep, it's good. And this is exactly what Phil was saying. It's for the health of Xbox. He's not. He doesn't mean it's the health for the health of the Xbox hardware system. He means it's for the health of Xbox as a company. We we always talk about the fact that Xbox, despite repeatedly losing battles, feel like they are they are at least fighting a war. Whereas PlayStation. Uh, Nintendo's a little bit tricky because Nintendo obviously are a bit of a, a thing unto themselves and while they're in such a strong position of being you know a very specific platform um, and offering a specific kind of uh, way that um, Switch players especially play I think yeah 
I, I think um, yeah, Xbox seem to be thinking to the fu- thinking of the future, doing that five to ten year planning as opposed to one year, two years down the line, which often seems like PlayStation are, do- are doing when they're or not just not thinking ahead. Sometimes it seems with PlayStation, right? Like we're going to get onto PlayStation a little bit later in the podcast, and there is evidence there. Like again, like PlayStation will have their own sets of analysts and people whose very jobs it is to think about and speculate on the future and make sure that everything about their business plan is as future-proofed as possible but like there are emerging news stories about how like maybe like things and and of course game development is very complicated and when you're in the software game that you have to factor in that long and expensive development times make things harder to predict but maybe sony have left themselves a little bit high and dry with regards to how the next 12 months might play out in a way that xbox aren't quite um but to go back to game pass i think i kind of agree with you that it doesn't seem like something that if you looked so explicitly at the sony side of things the playstation would ever want i think if you painted a picture to a playstation executive of someone booting up a ps6 let's say or a ps5 pro and uh, scrolling straight over to the xbox game pass app launching that app uh, which they have access to as a result of a subscription fee that they play pay to xbox and then playing software that was, you know, developed, you know, in-house at Xbox that is, you know, like allows players to be remonetized through microtransactions that are then, in, like, again, lining the pockets of it. It goes back to the whole thing of why Apple don't. There's no, well, it might, this might change, if, especially if you live in the EU soon. But there's no Game Pass app on uh, on iOS that just lets you download a Game Pass app and just start like streaming games on the back you have to do it through safari because the app store has its own sets of rules and apple have to take slices here and there and they don't want people spending money in storefronts that exist within their storefront instead of them and yeah i think playstation would get very weird about it and and ensure it wouldn't happen but be fascinating to see xbox get to the point where they want it to happen because phil would no doubt do another interview as he always does and make them look bad even (laughs) even if they don't give a shit um I suppose the other element to talk about, Jonesy, though, is hardware. We presumed, even with everything going on a couple of weeks ago, that Xbox weren't going to pull out of the hardware game immediately. But how they were going to handle the hardware scene, you know, that was, and I guess is still to a certain extent, a bit of an unknown. But Sarah Bond, uh, who was uh, present on the podcast, of course, now Xbox president, um, shared a little bit more on that front, uh, implying that more hardware was in the works. There's a quote here saying, there's some exciting stuff coming out in hardware that we're going to share this holiday um, and we're also invested in the next generation roadmap. And then this is the kind of the interesting one, Jonesy. And what we're really focused on there is delivering the largest technical leap you will have ever seen in a hardware generation, which makes it better for players and better for creators and the visions that they're building. So again, xbox and sarah bond not just committing to the uh, you know next generation hardware roadmap but claiming to be working on the biggest or the largest technical leap that we will have ever seen in a hardware generation at a point where there are a lot of conversations about diminishing returns um when it comes to general you know leaps in console generations um how do you feel about that um that, that those bold words from miss bond i feel like they're they're like a little bit tricky those words because you you hear those words and i think you're immediately going to think i'm going to see the biggest leap technologically from one generation to another but the reality is you're not um you're never going to see a leap like the playstation 1 to the playstation 2 ever again um right exactly for the reasons you said it's uh 
the the diminishing returns from technology like if you go from 4k to 8k sure you've just made an absolutely monumental leap if you're if you were hitting 60 fps at 8k uh we would all uh gasp at the fact that they've managed to actually hit that like because of hardware but actually um when you look at that as a gamer it's not going to compare to the difference between watching you know like sub 15 frames a second at like five tw uh for like less than 500 like pixels it's it we're never going to make we're never going to see the kind of um leaps ever again that we saw when we were we were in our youth just because of the, the diminishing returns the nature of computing all of that sort of stuff unless they start to go to you know paradigm shifting technologies which i which are probably tens of years off you know like quantum consoles and stuff like that like i think we're so far away from seeing stuff um i think you can add you can be correct and i i'm i guess that i would imagine that she is technically correct in what she's saying but i would imagine that the actual execution is going to be a little bit lackluster if you took it on yeah board. yeah no i i i completely agree like it's fascinating seeing them make uh statements seeing statements that are made that you know could absolutely be technically true and they could legally put that on the front of the box and yet it will never be it will never manifest itself in a way that most regular consumers will recognize and say oh yeah that is the biggest what was the exact quote? The the biggest, uh, the largest technical leap I have ever seen in the hardware generation. Because as you said, like we we most of us now have lived through the transitions from you know two D graphics to three D polygonal graphics and into the HD era. And for a while there, we were getting so much more bang for our buck year on year. You know, it goes to show, uh, one thing that is interesting now is I think in terms of pixel pushing and resolutions, we're getting to the point where like a, a lot of games can hit a native 4k or just about like claim to hit a native 4k even if they do use some form of upscaling or whatever the, the case may be um it's interesting that we're reaching the point now where there is no real need or desire to go beyond that point um not not from the consumer side and not even from the you know the television sales side of things yet like they're not pushing no one's really pushing 8k at the moment it exists but no one's pushing it hard so we've seen them go down other routes before, like HDR was obviously a big one, but I'm always fascinated to see what kind of like the generational USPs are, I guess. Um, and part of me hopes that one of the ways that we can claw back um, a little bit of the, the you know, at least the perceived technical leap is more of that stuff being representative in-game. And like we, we've talked before about potential advances in like AI and load times and the the amount of stuff that can be stored in, you know, the, like in, in short term or, or fast access memory and stuff like that to create these experiences that begin to, that was basically, there's a feeling sometimes that what actually gets delivered in terms of um, console generations is always one step, that they're always one step behind what we actually get. Like the thing they pitch is a the thing they're actually going to fully deliver on the following generation you know what <laughs> right I mean? yes so like when they when they started talking about 4k we had to wait another generation before we could like before 4k was a right. thing and i think that that's i hope that what happens is i remember playstation 5 was a lot of the talk was power not power you can see but power you can feel right and there were hints at that and of course that was in itself a weird sort of like reference to the dual sense and haptic feedback and all that kind of stuff and i get that but there were also you know we talked about swing speeds and spider-man being off the hook and uh, and load times being so short that you don't they're not even load times and some of that stuff some games some developers made good on all those elements but i still think there is room to be explored in terms of the 
they, okay, we're not trying to make games look any better now. We're trying to make games players look as 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 well as we can using you know the tools at our disposal. At disposal, I think that would be really cool and begin to represent a, a more believable, you know, the uh, more believable sense of the quote unquote largest technical leap you'll have ever seen in a hardware generation. It's, I think for me as well, it's, it's not about the hardware is not the thing now. Like the the biggest leap we're going to see, and I think everyone will notice, and it will be mind blowing when it comes off fully is um the ai is the ai utilization in game to have like dynamic npcs who can interact with you and actually relate to you um to you know exactly what you're doing and how you're doing it um is to have the the the, the actual reality of branching storylines that do work and do branch you know like we talked about dying light 2 for example um and a lot of other games that uh, said that they were going to have these branching storylines and the worlds were going to be reactive to how you actually played in game and always the joke is that the reality is as, as they're in development we all joke about the fact that we know it's not going to happen because it's just simply not possible because it's that squaring of oh this is they need this many reactions to this thing you did and then this thing and you end up with a billion outcomes down the line for this uh, for a for a branching storyline but the reality is with with ai if they implement the software correctly it becomes possible because you don't have to write um, a billion different lines of dialogue and have a billion different outcomes the ai can generate it if it's good enough on the fly but again that's all software based and that's not the hardware of the xbox having to do the heavy lifting that's that's the hardware uh, at the developer and and the so you know and, and getting the software and getting the prompts and the ai and all of that stuff working and so yeah yeah I, I, they are doing like you yeah ubisoft they are yeah. have got ubisoft specifically what you mentioned there ubisoft have got like kind of bark and like combat shout writing uh ai already you know in place wasn't it, we were talking about as well with the the uh is it the what is it called the finals yeah, the finals. The finals was um, and they they their utilization of some AI dialogue um, that they with commentators and things like that. Like it's oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's coming for sure. It's coming. Um, the the degree it's used is at uh, the moment is questionable, and even when it is used, I think it's obviously used sparingly because it's not there yet. But yeah, like as as for the hardware being the the most technically you know the biggest technical leap you'll ever seen is like yeah yeah I might see it, but I'm not going to see it if you know what I'm saying. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. We are going to see the number of teraflops that someone <laughs> at Digital Foundry tells us it is. We are yes. not necessarily going to notice, like, you know, it's also like that thing of like, like, the sometimes the uh, a certain generation swan song can be so good because of how much developers are able to squeeze out of a then old piece of ha uh, hardware. Right. That the that the first batch of games on a new piece of hardware sometimes also just look the same as what we were already playing and like again like we, we've we've done this little exercise before but you can go to sort of looking at developers works across the span of a generation and how much they improved as developers like the easiest example is and scare a horrible to say out loud because of what's happened since but like naughty dog for example being able to make the entire uncharted trilogy and the last of us all in the space of um how many years would that have been uh uh, uh, seven yeah, yeah, six or seven years. Um, and how, but how much better they got at utilizing the power, the same volume of power available over the course of that generation. So there will be a bit of that as well. That we will get the best-looking PS5 Pro and Xbox Series X um, games imaginable that release, and then six months later, a new console comes out that people <laughs> yeah. are just starting to get used to. 
Uh, there was one final tidbit of news, Jonesy. Uh, Xbox uh, popping a cherry of sorts by confirming that Diablo 4 would be the first Activision Blizzard game to be added to Game Pass. Obviously, that released last summer, so they did give it a fairly big window, big enough that hopefully the people who bought the copy of that game on Steam, for example, don't feel too hard done by. Um, but uh, not only is it a relatively big, relatively popular, and and still, you know, as weird as it is to remember, critically acclaimed title to be able to bring to Game Pass, it also, again, is the beginning of Xbox seemingly figuring out something of a roadmap for the releases of new and future Activision Blizzard games. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good pull. Um, is it something that you'd go and check out having not played uh, D4 at launch, or are you, are you over it? I know D3 left you uh, jaded, shall we say. I, I The thing with me and Game Pass is if it's on Game Pass, I probably will. Okay. And it it will cut yeah it will come down to that of of I'll give it a I'll give it a go. D three left me wanting, and you and Jamie had a bit of interesting reactions to D four. I think I am well, Jamie. Sorry, you and Chris had interesting reactions to D four, where you both seem to like it, but not that much. Yes, which I may, think... doesn't make me think I something I really need to play. But if I'm already paying for Game Pass, then why not? I, I, I yes. And that, that that that's the most important bottom line to end on, I guess. I I feel like, um, I think D, uh, uh, Jeff Gersman summed it up really nicely the other day, and so I'm just going to copy what he said. I think Diablo Four is a really good game if you just play it once and then stop. Um, <laughs> right. I don't, but I I don't think Chris would even go that far. Um, which is pretty damning. Um, <laughs> but you're right, it's there, and you paid for it. It's one of those things that um. You might as well take advantage of, just like you could take advantage of all kinds of goodies if you were already subscribed to a very particular, very uh, enticing and alluring and helpful service of sorts. Of course, I'm talking about the Super Show Patreon. Um, that's right, this podcast at this point is entirely made possible by the fine folks who have gone over to patreon.com forward slash super show and shown their support by helping us out and pledging anywhere from $2 a month to $5 a month to $10 a month just to help keep this show on the roads. We are eternally grateful for everyone that has supported us over there, past, present, and future. And of course, the people that have headed over there and placed a little bit of money will have seen that there are rewards and various bits and pieces and goodies that you get access to when you do pledge for everything from Discord access to access to Patreon-exclusive videos, Patreon-exclusive podcasts it's all over there it's all going to live there forever so if any of that sounds interesting interesting to you the link once again patreon.com forward slash super show take a look and uh just thank you in advance for checking out and considering uh helping the show um and there are ha some people who have gone further than just considering it they have pledged to indeed help the show there are some names of those fine folk on screen right now so thank you uh to each and every one of them and I would also like to give a slightly more personal shout-out to Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brimstone, Ice Knoll Rock Salt, Jesper Camdal nielsen Pastors Guild. And then, of course, we have the big dogs, the head honchos, the members of the board, Brett Z, a.k.a. Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Creed, Manuel Guerrero, and Peacewad. Thank you all so much. And Josie, do you know what? I won't claim to be the best, um, you know, in terms of, uh, let's say, the most regular visitor 
to to the Discord, but I do make something of an effort every now and then just to check in and see what people are chatting about. And I will say I found it incredibly useful this week for us to exploit our position as uh, as as host of a podcast to uh, draft in reinforcements on the Helldivers front. Uh, we were able to finally create our Helldivers to um, voice chat um, this 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 past week. And and as I said, drafting our first privates, our first recruits. I feel bad calling them privates because uh, at least one of them is significantly more leveled than me. Uh, so shout out to all the folks who are helping us push back um, and for for showing uh, that they are as demo uh, in favor of democracy as we are. I'm trying to think of something to tell them. Right? I don't know. Uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, that was that was really good to hop on and um, join forces with some of the guys in the Discord. And like you say, hop into the voice chat uh, and, and talk to them as we did it. Um, yeah, and grateful as well to um, to them for uh, showing me some of the ropes, for at least, um, and not being too annoyed when I blew them up with a 120 mil cannon barrage. So there we go. Yeah, um, turns out that Jonesy, for anyone that none of you would necessarily know this, having not played with him, Jonesy is is a is is a stratagem first, ask questions later kind of player when it comes to uh, Helldivers Two. So um, he is already mashing his D-pad before he's even begun thinking about opening his mouth, which makes uh, our operations against bugs and robots alike uh, extremely interesting. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, if that sounds like your cup of tea, if you want to play with the, uh, if you want to play Helldivers with a guy who looks like he's screen recording to send it into the Jackass crew and pitch himself as the latest cast member, then you know which Discord to join. Anyway, um... Jonesy, let's. Uh, we, we've spoken a little bit about Xbox, their trials and tribulations, um, and their their future for better and for worse. Why don't we swing things over to the other side and talk about the big blue company, that is PlayStation. Let's do it. All right. Um, the real uh, kind of headline emerged, uh, it, it kind of in the past week, as a result of what seemed like I, I think it was kind of uh, PlayStation and Sony sharing their financial results. Um, so namely it was something that was mostly for investors more than anything else um, but of course we always come away with some tidbits I'm just not sure the tidbits that we came away with uh, came away with this time were two people's liking before we get to the headline that did the rounds and I think scared some people um, a brief chatter about what is actually going on with the financials and the reason for it and essentially Jonesy this boils down to a conversation about a decline in PS5 sales and the fact that now Sony are now warning their investors and shareholders and, and everyone who it pertains to that we may have actually reached the peak when it comes to PS5 sales, certainly in a given year. And we are now at the point of the generation where the PS5, sale, PS5 sales will begin to sort of trail off and sell fewer and fewer, fewer, unit, fewer, and fewer units year on year, uh, allowing for some wiggle room, of course, according to depending on sales and the launches of massive pieces of software. Um, and of course, the launches of potential uh, other pieces of hardware, which we'll loop back around to in, in just a moment. But um, in the company's financial results for the three months that ended on December 31st, so just in the run-up to the end of the year, Sony did have another record quarter in terms of revenue, and PS5 sales reached 54.7 million. But the key part is, the part that uh, investors and shareholders care about, they lowered their sales forecast for the year after they fell slightly behind in what was a pretty lofty hardware target. Um, 
in the latest quarter they sold 8.2 million consoles bringing the total for the year so far to 16.4 and the original target was 21 million so they expect to fall short of their original target by at least 4 million units which um but i mean it's not a huge amount but again josie if like that's the beginning of a downward trend if that's what they're identifying there then that's then that's where it becomes a key kind of key piece of information yeah and i think and we've talked about it uh, i think last week we sort of mentioned it in that sony haven't been doing everything maybe that we would have hoped at this point to get you know top line um first party titles out that are the ones that you know make you think okay i really need to buy a playstation 5 if i haven't got one already i really need to buy one or even if you're at that point where you're thinking um like in my case for example i've now got a broken playstation 5 with a disc drive that i would love to replace um i would love to replace and buy a new one but i know at this point in the the life cycle of the console that i'm better off waiting for the playstation 5 pro um than i am about pulling the trigger and buying another one uh, another playstation 5 now um and so i'm gonna hold off there's no games that are that you know making me feel like i have to buy one now i have to replace it now um and i think a lot of people will be having those same sort of thoughts Yes, especially on the games front, because, I mean, you talk about there being no games out there on sale at the moment that are making you feel a draw to go and replace your PlayStation 5. Um, It seems like that's going to be the case for a little while going forward as well, because after talking about um, what they described as a gradual decline in unit sales from next fiscal year onwards for the consoles, they began talking about software. And this is the quote that got a few people's knickers in a twist. Regarding first-party software, we aim to continue to focus on producing high-quality productions and producing live service games. But while major projects are currently in development, we do not plan to release any new major existing franchise titles until next fiscal year, like God of War Ragnarok and Marvel Spider-Man 2. For anyone wondering what the uh, next fiscal year in question means, that means basically nothing before March of 2025, all but confirming uh, from the time of recording onwards an entire 12 months of nothing in the way of what Sony at least considered to be uh, new major existing franchise titles. So if you're expecting, I don't even know what people were expecting. Like, I know people weren't expecting another God of War or, um, you know, another Uncharted or another Last of... Like, don't get me wrong, people weren't sitting around saying one of those big things will happen in the next 12 months. But it doesn't open up this very interesting conversation, Jonesy, about, well, then what are the the what are the like fr- titles that might come that aren't new major existing franchise titles like which franchises aren't major or what about develop- developers that are working on things that aren't existing franchises we know that for example um and like this is maybe a little bit um too premature but um sony bend developers of days gone they're working on something completely new so that's not an existing franchise we also know that there are plenty of other um, franchises out there that when you're talking about the God of Wars and Spider-Mans of the world aren't major and in fact uh, I've got a quote here from uh, Giant Bomb reporter Jeff Grubb who said I've heard maybe Astro referring to Astrobot um, does happen this year so if that happens um, that's pretty big for me I get why Sony's not thinking that's a major one at least not yet hopefully they could turn it into a major one a lot of that and a lot of this changes around the idea being that because it's not going to sell or it's not projected to sell 15 20 million units that a, an astrobot game could still come out in the next year how do you feel about well sony it's not even pessimism sony's honesty perhaps um regarding upcoming titles 
and what we might be able to see for the next 12 months um, in the meantime. Of course, you know, including live service games, we still expect you know the Concords and um, fail-safes of the world to be part of that output too. Yeah, it's, I, I suppose, but I wasn't expecting any, I suppose. Like Wolverine is probably the next big first-party game that they're going to be releasing. Like, And we know that that was going to come next year anyway like we weren't expecting that this fiscal year so yep agreed um, i mean it wasn't like there was anything in the pipeline that they were it's not like they were going to shadow drop uh ghost of tsushima 2 for example um i mean the only thing i could i would say was that the a year's long enough that if someone like sucker punch had been away have been away for as long as they have which is now uh four years or so if they came out like let's say in the state of play that's just gone and i know they haven't but they came out in that state of play and said Ghost of Tsushima has now uh, been announced targeting Christmas 2024. I'd be like, okay, that would have, you know, that's cl closing on on a five-year development cycle, which seems logical for a sequel of the si a game of that size. I'd I maybe believe that, but I could have done. Broadly speaking, I agree. If if they had more irons in the fire. Uh, in general, I would have said that's possible. But I mean, the fact like the last day of play was pretty, you know, wasn't that great. Um, yep. and, and we were already talking about DS2 being the next big thing and that's not coming out until we know back like at least next year so it's kind of I, don't, I, I wasn't I'm not that surprised and at the same time like we've talked a long time about an Astrobot game would be fantastic like we would be all over it so if they're not considering that to be major um, so that doesn't fall in that remit um, you talk about like Helldivers 2 wouldn't I imagine wouldn't fall in that remit Agreed. either yep. so there's definitely scope there for them to release things that are very good um, that we're we're going to really enjoy but they don't class this because this is the other thing we're just talking about existing IP so as you've said right, we yeah. well get new IP and, may, and maybe well, like being a little bit sneaky by saying by phrasing it in this particular way but I get, but again, the phase of the con of the life cycle of the console we're in, I don't think it's that surprising. Like I don't think I'm. Well, I see that's where I disagree. Like I, th I, I think having a, I don't think having a mid generation lull is a normal thing. I think lulls happen at the very and sometimes protracted lulls happen at the beginning of a generation. I think once you find your feet, like the idea of the like, uh, what it, what is this the fourth. Is this the whatever is the third or fourth year? I'm bad at like it came out at the end of 2020, so it's been three and a bit years, but it's in the fourth year. I think I'm right in saying technically, uh, the idea of the fourth year of a console generation being the weakest one, I think that's a bad look, and I don't think that's a normal thing. No, no, I, no, you yeah, you're right. I mean, you are right. It's, it's not a good thing to have, right? Because I guess this is the kind of time when you want to have a decent amount of strength because you don't want people yes. to start considering other options. So you don't want a bit of a lull in the middle, but whereas toward the end, but then there's, but then I, I do wonder if part of this is because I'm not that interested in some of the games that they do have coming, which they've already announced. Um, Rise of Ronin, Stellar Blade, exactly. those kind of things, yeah. Um, and maybe that's just a me, maybe that's a me problem in that they're like, you know, a lot of people I mean, are thinking that I'm. I don't think these titles. No, I, I don't think I don't think that they are a you problem I, I think it goes same as hell divers too i agree that i don't think those are things that sony consider a part of this major existing franchises or even major franchises sort of remit like i i think sony have probably very accurate and very honest sales expectations for those titles and they're probably aligned with how excited people like you and me are for them you know yeah uh but it, it, it does yeah, it's, it always sucks if, you, if you're like particularly looking. Like for example, 
an announcement of a Last of Us Part Three would be phenomenal. Uh, you know, a God of War, tr uh, a final to the God of War um, sort of little trilogy would be fantastic. And the fact that you you know we're not, I would imagine we're maybe not even going to hear anything about these games until the next until next year either. Um, stuff that is getting made, and even if we don't even hear anything about Ghost of Tsushima at all this year, that would suck. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, what are we in? We're nearly in March. I'm just trying to think. Like, they could they could still get me super excited just with marketing stuff for some big titles that are coming out back end of 25, and I would still be pretty excited. And I would then give them a pass, and then people would get annoyed at me because they were like, you were slagging off Sony being not very good, and now you're giving them a pass. Yeah. And I absolutely would do if they were just announcing some some decent games. Um I don't. Yeah, I don't know. No, Maybe. You know, you you do make a very good point because again, when you review the quote and what was actually said, they the it, they said we do not plan to release any new major existing franchise titles. Obviously, you know, between games like Death Stranding two and GTA six, like some of the most um, uh, widely anticipated games in the world right now are already touting themselves as twenty twenty five titles. There's absolutely nothing stopping. Um, Sony uh, having shows from the summer and beyond um, really that are announcing and promoting and getting people excited for games that come out in 2025 and it may actually end up working in their favor to kind of like eat a bit of a hit in the short term as like maybe hardware sales are on the decline for the first time there's maybe a you know a, a want for a, a few more major first party titles but if they are waiting for certain stars to align or you're releasing a bunch of games and going back to these major franchises in 2025 and beyond and perhaps also releasing a console that may or may not take advantage of some of the features and technical um uh, the technical super superiorities of these titles that could be one nice big holistic you know neatly packaged business plan that they could be working on of course i am not so subtly referring to a console that you, both you and i have already referred to openly this podcast Jonesy a potential PlayStation 5 Pro, which I think most people do expect to be a reality at some point. But um, the news that has also come out this week is that some analysts uh, believe that it may well be releasing in late late 2024 and it will ha feature a proprietary DLSS-like solution, which I guess, Jonesy, goes back to what you were saying about, in a weird roundabout way, hardware-accelerated AI, for want of a better way of putting it, with the deep learning element of DLSS. Um, analysts have now reportedly told CNBC that Sony is quote-unquote likely to launch a refreshed version of the console in the second half of this year. I've got a quote here that says, there seems to be a broad consensus in the game industry that Sony is indeed preparing a launch of a PS5 Pro in the second half of 2024. That comes from Serkan Toto, who is the CEO of a Tokyo-based games consultancy firm called Kantan Games. Um, the rest of the quote kind of goes over what some of what we were saying, Jonesy. Um, Sony will want to make sure to have a great piece of hardware ready when GTA 6 launches in 2025, and that will be a shot in the arm for the entire game industry. I guess it does make sense, and does stand to reason, that between the launch of titles like GTA 6 and what we're speculating about with the return of these major franchises in 2025 and beyond, the Sony will have a piece of hardware out there on store shelves, ready-made to take advantage of all of those games that are flying off shelves at the same time. Um, but I suppose the major pinch of salt that comes with all of this is that we're not talking about insiders or rumor mongers like usual. We're talking about um, 
well, a games consultancy firm and quote-unquote analysts, people who you know, are paid by magazines and outlets and so on and so forth, and sometimes companies themselves, just to make predictions loosely based on historical events and what they might think happens. So while usually we're here, we're here talking about people who have heard something from someone who's broken an NDA, <laughs> now we're just talking about a guy who has a hunch. Um, so, uh, but is it a hunch that you buy into, I guess, is what I'm wondering, Jonesy. Yeah, 100%. The only, the only thing that makes me question the timing is i think so I, i'm completely bought into the fact that they're gonna they're gonna drop a ps5 pro and one of the reasons they're not that bothered about dropping any new big um first party ip related games is because they were like well hold on we want to push the ps5 pro along with whatever it is yeah. but the only thing that makes me question is if they're talking about the latter half of 2024 is surely you want some chunky games or a game at least to launch with that um, right. in order to give people the impetus to go out there and buy it. Um, I could see that being an Astrobot game, like as a little nod to the release of the PlayStation 5 and Astrobot being a fantastic showcase of the power of this PlayStation 5, especially, you know, the, the haptic feedback on the on the DualSense controller. Um, I don't think an Astrobot game would be enough. For, I, would, I would assume that wouldn't be enough. I could, you know, for example, we had um, Spider-Man's Miles Morales, which was the real kind of like, you need to get Astrobot. You need to get Miles Morales. This is the these are the PlayStation Five games. They're not even main games. Like play uh, Miles Morales was like a, a a midway game for the Spider Man series, and obviously Astrobot was not like a you know a triple um, A AAA game. It was a it was a showcase game. Um, but that so so to me, I'm wondering if there's some shenanigans with wording, and actually, the Pro doesn't come out the latter half of 2024, but actually comes out in first quarter 25 and we see some games drop in the you know after that march uh cutoff of the new fiscal year and actually there's ga there's yeah. a couple of games ready lined up to go um in april of 2025 and the ps5 pros come out so it's the perfect time it's like a perfect storm of grab this grab that blow up get your playstation 5 pro that would make more sense to me like i don't really see the point of dropping a a ps5 pro in the latter half of 2024 with no games for it i i tend to agree um but i'm not an analyst no one <laughs> <laughs> and you know what like neither am i um and so and so I, I like it's hard to say for sure um i i think if this were a traditional console launch like the, then there'd be absolutely no question that what you're saying is 100 percent uh correct like Point blank, like you, you like uh, uh, the, the the a games lineup alongside a console launch is vital. I think there's something about these half step consoles that feels slightly different. Um, it, it it's funny because it it reminds me back. Uh, it reminds me of the the kind of the phone comparison, which a lot of uh, developers were other sort of console manufacturers were trying to make at the time. Um, I remember when they were saying it was almost like that there were individuals, maybe execs, uh, you know, whoever at playstation and xbox for example who were jealous of apple and who were sat there saying hang on a second they can make these literally one thousand dollar mobile phones cellular phones and sell a new one every year we make these five hundred dollar consoles and people question us well we want to make one every seven and they were getting so jealous um and uh, and there was this idea that the half-step console the ps4 pro and the xbox series at uh, x uh, xbox one x excuse me god um 
thank you for Xbox and their their naming conventions. Um, there was some talk about that being like those content manufacturers foray into mobile style, you know, inter like more uh, sort of like minor upgrades and like like encouraging users to get uh, consumers to get more used to a slightly more constant uh, cycle of console releases. Yeah, didn't really happen. Um, but like one of the things that that reminded me of is that when you get a new iPhone, you're told it's more powerful. You can hold it, can hold it, but you can do more things at the same time and do them all faster as well. But you don't open up. But how many times have you opened up a new iPhone, got it all set up, and said, "Oh shit, I c there's nothing for me to try." Like it's just the same stuff I always do. I can right. open up WhatsApp and read through old messages, but like there's no killer app for me to test for me to verify the fact that this iPhone, the first iPhone I've just bought in three years, is 17 times more powerful than the one I was using yesterday, I just have to kind of take their word for it. Ain't there's a bit of that with the half-step consoles, where the fact that they are just a, a step, a half-step up from, say, the PlayStation 5 in this case, that there's not this immediate expectation of a killer app arriving day and day. And certainly, I can remember um, the, the, the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X equally launching at a time where you were like what am i what am i meant to like how do i know that this is good um like i i remember one of the first ones for me was horizon zero dawn that came out e end of february 2017 and the console had launched uh in you know mid-november um and so i i would make the argument that one of sony's first ps4 pro showcases arrived you know midway through q1 having released the console in the previous q4 so i think there is real, similar things happened with um with the with the one x i hope that, that, that if anyone can actually remember maybe leave a comment but like i had this vague memory of the xbox port of port of PUBG technically being the only xbox one x game at no, launch, right. something weird like that um yeah so it's happened before and it can happen again was all that that was a long way of saying that Yes, yeah, absolutely, and and, and yeah, may, no, maybe you're right. Maybe they are. Maybe it is a case of it doesn't matter if there's anything ready to drop because it's it's a case of get your hands on it, ready for GTA Six, ready for Wolverine. Like you don't, you know. Yes, and yeah. and, and maybe and actually maybe for them even works even better because they don't want the rush, um, you know, for people trying to order units and and having shortages, etc., etc., etc. So yeah, no, right, exactly, maybe. Uh, like uh, one one of the th arguments we hear all the time about these half step consoles is like yes there are people who with a fully functioning PS5 will go out on day one and upgrade to a PS5 Pro because they feel like they need that experience but a lot of their sort of like catchment area a lot of the people they're going for are people who are exactly like you who at one point will need a who will need or want for any number of reasons a new PS5 or a buy a PS5 for a family member or a friend or their one broke or that well, any number of things can happen and it's those people who go to the market fresh who are then presented with two options who are then more likely to buy the more expensive one because you know whatever reason they're coming to the market is and you know you are a, a case in point example of that which is that you're a you're a ps5 user with a broken disk drive you will eventually buy a new console but you're going to wait and buy a more expensive one you know um, yes exactly exactly because I, I would feel kind of silly buying a ps5 pro just for a pro uh, sorry ps5 just for a ps5 pro to come out six months later yes. and, and then I'd, I'd, I'd feel a little bit silly yes exactly and i think that there are there are people who do and there are people who don't like then there are some people who are going to take their P 
PS5 to the dying day, much like they took their, their PS4 to the dying day. And I still remember, you know, stories of uh, uh, OG PS4s playing The Last of Us Part Two and sounding like they were going to literally explode. Uh, and it, it's but that you know that's the road we've been down before. I'm sure it's a road we're going to go down again. A road though, Jonesy, seemingly avoided um, by Nintendo because. Uh, every now and then, I bust out my Nintendo Switch and play some games like Tears of the Kingdom that should theoretically be pushing it to its limits, and yet it doesn't sound like it's about to explode in my hands. Um, and yet, despite, according to the amount of noise being made by fans and various other components, there's still being some room there, uh, a little bit of uh, leverage, a little bit more wiggle room, that isn't stopping Nintendo pushing ahead with their plans for a new console. The twist in the tale, though, Jonesy, is that it could launch later than expected. Um, I can't remember when it was, but at some point we all started talking about the Nintendo Switch 2, let's call it, the Nintendo Switch successor, as something that was probably going to happen this year. Um, in fact, I, I feel like even when we were recording podcasts, you and I, right at the tail end of last year and the top of this year, making kind of predictions and that kind of stuff, it almost felt like the Switch 2 happening this year was an open secret, you know? Um, yes. Like, it's also it, a weird... Oh, about time. It did, and it's also a thing with the Switch that you can totally foresee them trying to get ahead of uh, holiday season, you know, like Christmas 2024 would Absolutely. have a perfect time. Um, and, and so, yeah, it kind of made sense. Tw uh, Christmas 2025 would seem far too late. Um, yeah. seems like a, per a perfect launch date would be, you know, just before Christmas 2024, but um, apparently not so. Well, apparently not so, or at least apparently not a realistic one. Whilst, you know, at that 2024 target may well have been nice, may, may well have been the plan at one point. It now appears that the uh, successor to Nintendo Switch is targeting Q1 of 2025. That's initially, according to a Brazilian journalist called Pedro Enrique Lutilipe, which is a fantastic name. That's a cool name. Um, yes, uh, they uh, claimed that they had received information from five separate sources, which is good journalism work. Shout out to Pedro Enrique uh, it's worth noting for anyone that doesn't trust, though, Pedro Enrique's word alone, um, Eurogamer was since able to substantiate uh, and to verify those claims. They were then followed up by VGC, who also claimed to hear from multiple sources who said Nintendo has been telling publishers its next console will now launch in Q1 2025. And then to complete the trifecta of confirmed rumor uh, people, Bloomberg later corroborated the news as well. So... All the uh, major outlets who uh, traditionally put their money where their mouth is when it comes to uh, rumours have now done so. And it seems, Jonesy, much like the uh, original Switch launched in March of that year, we could be talking about another kind of like late Q1 launch for the Switch's successor, which supposedly, if you believe uh, the, uh, you know, the, the rumours, if you believe the chatter, is... Um, to allow for basically a bigger launch in terms of the number of games and the, the variety of software available um, at launch. It seems like they were working on some games internally at Nintendo that are now targeting Q1 2025. Obviously, they've shared this information with publishers, who I'm sure will align their uh, release dates to make sense with it as well. Um, could still mean that, you know, it, it, put it this way, launching Q1 didn't hurt uh, the original Switch, so... <laughs> Um, oh, you know, probably you still going to be a very healthy window for Nintendo. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo are a thing unto themselves, and you've got to believe that um, with an install base like they've got with the Switch, when it comes to uh, Switch 2, you've got to, it's going to be massive again, isn't it? Um, 
Although, yes. uh, although they don't have, the, the, obviously, Switch went kind of crazy with uh, with lockdown and with COVID and with um, a number of titles. Animal really, Crossing, Animal Crossing, a number of you know pushing pushing sales. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, realistically, I suppose they're not really worried. Probably whenever they they release, and and it, but this is this is the thing we were just saying. It makes sense to release a console when you've got games to play on it. Um, and so for them, Very true. waiting yep. for uh, some titles totally makes sense. Um, just got to hope that everyone doesn't spend all their money on Xboxes at the Christmas before. Oh, yeah, that is definitely the number one thing that Nintendo are worried about. Oh no, what if no one buys the new Switch uh, because they all buy Xboxes? That would actually, what Nintendo don't realise is the most damaging thing they can do to the Nintendo Switch. If history has taught us anything, is call it the wrong name. Like if they give that thing a shit name and like completely fuck up the chatter around it, like as they did. I'm referring to the Wii U indirectly here, but if they pull another Wii U where no one knows what it is, what it does, why it does it, whether or not it's associated or affiliated with, or even an accessory for the previous console, like, I really hope they don't fuck it again. So that's like... Do you think, because we've talked about this before, but do you do you think that they can just upgrade the screen, make it more powerful, and that will be enough for, for a Switch 2? Or do you think they will Nintendo it and they'll come out with like some weird... I think, I think I think they will Nintendo it because Nintendo Nintendo's it. But I've got a feeling this is going to be the least of the amount that they Nintendo it by maybe ever. Um, okay. Like you look at the jump from the GameCube to the Wii to the Wii U to the Switch, and you're like, are these consoles made by the same people? What the <laughs> fuck is going on? At some point, they will have just noticed that their rivals are, yes, in some cases, not doing quite as well. But, like, they'll have noticed that when they watch the trajectory of the PlayStation the Xbox, it's that, like, hey, it turns out you can get away with releasing something that's functionally identical, just better. Um, uh, and, and yes, the highs might not be as high, but as Nintendo also know, the lows might not be as low. And maybe the middle ground between the roaring success of the Wii and the utter disaster that was the Wii U is just to make something familiar, make something that is immediately identifiable, and but make something that's better. I still think that they will. You've got to leave the window open for Nintendo to find some kind of bizarre USP, and I have no doubt that, like early on in 2025, we're going to see a very strange live-action advert where a bunch of people who feel way too old to be meeting up exclusively for the purpose of playing video games locally are going to be sat on a rooftop and doing something with the Switch successor that we look at and go, "Okay, I'm never going to do that, <laughs> but I will play those games." So there's that four switches back to back to back with people playing all over. Yes, just something weird or like some weird thing where like if you put the two ends of two switches together, you get a you get a switch XL that lets you do like it's, it's like <laughs> just stop it. That, just stop yeah, it. they're mod. You can hook them together and then and you look like right. four together. You get a massive screen. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, someone's making like an eight by eight switch, <laughs> and it's. That would be that would be amazing, and and they've got some new technology where you can't even see the join. Oh yeah, like it like it renders something in the bevels somehow, <laughs> and it combines the actual the processing power, the hardware of all the units that you add together, so they can actually display things in like native four K and like now now we're going down a weird rabbit hole. Or all the mm. I guarantee you, there's someone at Nintendo, for example, not this generation, but future generations, who's already looking at like bendable and foldable screen technology. I was just thinking oh my foldable. god I was like imagine that. like yeah. imagine if it's like a foldable Nintendo Switch so that when you kind of like the Game Boy Advance SP the except obviously both sides would have some screen screen element on them and this idea is oh my god 
one of them we made something that was the size of the Switch Lite, but when you folded it, it fit in the average pocket. Mm. I could I could totally imagine them doing that. 100%. But then that then that gets away from what some people want because there is and I don't know if this is do you think this is our kind of echo chamber or actually what people want? Where I go on Twitter and people are excited about replaying Breath of the Wild in 4K 60 frames a second. There's a weird appetite out there for the games that Nintendo have been making recently and presumably will continue to make at higher resolutions and higher frame rates. Um, you know, you look at like, the Switch Deck. One of the things, the Steam Deck, excuse me, fucking out. One of the things that's really popular on the Steam Deck is um, Switch emulation because, like, you can get these really sometimes the frame rates, sometimes the performance is poor. But you get these really nice, sharp versions of games that you can't get any, anywhere. And if you're really willing to get in the weeds and do some very light hacks, then you can get better versions of Pokemon than Nintendo will ever give you ever. Like, I, there is an appetite for that. And I don't know if Nintendo will tap into it or not. There, there is, but there's also the weird angle that if they just manage to make a, because so, so we were saying before when it comes to uh, Xbox and them saying about you know the biggest technical leap, Switch don't have to make or Nintendo sorry don't have to make as much of a, uh, a leap with the Switch too to actually close the gap quite a lot. And, and when we talk about games like The Witcher Three coming to Switch and how wow that game's going to look like trash and it, and and it did and that's uh, you know that's, yeah. that's a thing. But hey, if the Switch 2 comes out and The Witcher 3 looks really nice, you start to get into a strange world where actually the Switch um, 2 becomes a viable uh, alternative to something like the Steam Deck. And so the Steam Deck think they're being clever. Uh, well, people think they're being clever using the Steam Deck to get upscale versions of Nintendo games. But what if the, if the Switch 2 just actually becomes a damn good system to play games on handheld and they look they look fantastic? And then you start yeah. to consider, like well, I, would, I would often sort of say, well, I'm never going to play that on the Switch. But if you start to make it, make the consideration of actually, Xbox are bringing a lot of their games to the Switch now, and and they look very good. You can play them handheld, and it's a hell of a lot cheaper than the Steam Deck. And I like the way that that you know I like the way that the Switch feels. And suddenly you've got a very viable um, system, and and it's blimey, especially if you can plug it into a TV and it looks good on the TV. Um, I think it would. It, yeah. So then we start to get into a weird world where technical advances in um, consoles suddenly mean something again because nintendo aren't that bothered about that sort of stuff yes usually 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 well uh, i i they're just it, it, they're incredibly hard to predict i guess that's 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 all i'm thinking is as i kind of like as let those thoughts rummage around in my head is that I, I i i we can never be surprised in whichever which way they go and how they uh show off the console um and or even which games they choose to show off with i guess that's another question is uh, are there any particular titles, sequels, returning franchises that you'd like to see in that launch window for the Switch 2? I know a lot of people are saying that it feels like we have been waiting an awful long time for another 3D Mario since uh, Odyssey. Yeah, I would I would quite like to see like a Luigi's Mansion or something like that would be pretty cool. Okay, uh, that would be cool, yeah. See something like that as a launch. I think that last one was, yeah, about four years ago. Yeah, so, it was a decent while yeah. ago. Um, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I no, actually... Um, yeah, normally I'm just tripping over myself. Like three, three D Mario, yeah, I mean, that's that's an easy one. But um, I don't know, is that wishing for too much? Something on the, the well, uh, so how again? Od 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 Odyssey was again like Odyssey will turn seven years old this year. Like it's been a while. I 
<laughs> but then we always joke about the fact that Nintendo likes to re-release games and get as much out of them as possible. So whenever we're trying to think, like Odyssey blew me away. Like Odyssey was fantastic. I, I was genuinely shocked of how much, um, how how much of Odyssey I absolutely loved. And the idea that we could, even if it's an Odyssey two. It should be should be eminently doable, but at the same time, I'm like, would Nintendo do that, or would Nintendo just release 15 different Mario games from yesteryear? I mean, but just upscaled or like better resolution. I, 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 I get that, I get that, but I I I, I think they're like that with certain franchises, and not like others. And I do think, in much the same way that like Zelda has been handled very carefully, I think Mario is still handled very carefully, and they use offshoots of what people see as the mainstays of these franchises as ways to kind of like. Like Zelda, in between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, is where they did other kind of weird stuff, and they went back and uh, remade um, uh, Link's Awakening or whatever it was. Uh, they, like stuff like that happened, and it's the same with Mario, where like yes, we've got like the re, re the remake of 3D World and Bowser's Fury and and a few other bits along the way, and then Wonder was kind of like the return to 2D Mario, but there is still this element of like I don't know, like. We, we we waited a, we we've been waiting a lot longer for an Odyssey follow up than we waited for a Breath of the Wild follow up at this stage, which feels weird to say, but it's true, and that's that's before something's even been revealed, let alone released, which Tears of the Kingdom now has. I'd love it to be an Odyssey two. They've obviously done that in the past with Galaxy and Galaxy two. The difference that in case being that they were both released on the same console, which these two might not, unless the Switch successor is kind of considered a weird extension of the switch somehow by nintendo you just don't know how they're going to do it like if it is a super switch or a, a something like that then then maybe you do get an odyssey too because they consider it part of the same family i don't know um i do have one question for you though jonesy and it's an uncomfortable one <laughs> but it's going to be more uncomfortable when the time comes as a man who shares his home with uh, a family of avid gamers and feels pressures and responsibilities to deliver in, 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 in certain areas, um, regardless of how realistic said deliveries might be. You have a PlayStation 5 Pro that releases in November of 2024 and a Switch that releases in March of 2025, just a half of months between them. What, what does the Alex Jones household get first? If I'm looking at uh, Mount Played, I think the PlayStation 5 Pro is uh for for me would be the thing but the, the funny thing is um they wouldn't notice a difference because it, when it comes to the sort of games that my kids play and that they're going to be um it's 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 more like they they like new games and they like to sort of be able to play new games but they're not going to be um looking at you know higher high resolutions etc for a switch 2 or or anything the playstation 5 pro is going to offer um, so I could probably get away with getting either, and they would be psyched. Um, I, okay, the, the thing that will probably move the needle for me um, would be games that are going to be available on the Switch 2 are probably going to be better a better offering um, and more enticing than potential games that are going to be offered on the PlayStation 5 Pro, because as we've said, there's nothing really coming out when they've said this is coming out, and even the games that they are sort of saying, the games that they are touting coming out are not ones that um, uh, my kids will be playing anyway. Uh, like like sure. Wolverine, etc. So, uh, so it's okay. A long-winded way of saying the, Switch Two, I guess, would be the Switch. Maybe. The little ones aren't going to be playing. The little ones aren't going to be playing GTA Six. They will not be playing GTA Six. Hey, here's a weird thought for you though. The idea of your kids playing GTA Six probably horrifies you. But if they, if if GTA games continue to have the same life cycles, 
are around as long as they are and as popular as long as they are and have the same cultural impact as they have had in the past, mm -hmm. then GTA 6 will be your kid's first GTA. Uh, it, it won't. The second, because if you say that my, my eldest will be, well, it depends when I let them play certain games. My oldest will be, well, I mean, he'll be 18 and 11 years. So, uh, um, if GTA 6 makes it out in 2025, if, then it will have been 12 years since GTA 5. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. But then that's weird because then would he play, if I let him, if I had made him wait till he was 18, would he wait eight years to play GTA 6? I, I think maybe he wouldn't be bothered by that. So maybe again, GTA that's, like, that's, first. that's like six, six, six years. I'm, I would like, would a teenager have played GTA 5 for the first time in 2019? I think absolutely. Yeah, may Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, and of but, course, a lot of this depends on things like it does it have the same longevity? Does it get right. port, ported forward to as many consoles, which in the case of GTA Five was released on the PS3 and 360, and then uh, up to, and then re-released on the PS4 and Xbox One, ended up and then patched for the PS5 and Series X, while also being on PC, and while also producing one of the most significant and popular online multiplayer uh, sort of services of all time. I don't know if GTA Six will do all of that, so. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's it's a possibility. Mate, all the, these are all moot points anyway because they will be playing Roblox uh, until they are old and grey um, on iPads if uh, if they continue the way they're going, which is yeah. horrend horrendous. Yeah, the quality of the utter garbage and crap that they play on Roblox uh, is... Maybe... Are they I should. I saw, I should I, saw the, I saw them doing it earlier today. I see because I, I looked at my PS5 friends list and I was like, "Oh, Josie's playing Roblox again." <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, yeah, I was playing. But they played. So this is the thing. They played together. So one of them plays on the iPad and one of them plays on the PlayStation. The, 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 ironically, the, fo the, the five-year-old plays on the PlayStation Five and the seven-year-old plays on the iPad because that's the way they like doing it. Um, Interesting. But. Maybe I should be more supportive of Roblox because that's that's you know grassroots gaming. That's that's people developing games <laughs> at home. That's that's microtransactions yeah. into games that kids play to make you yeah. have some spare Robux. So it's it's definitely not uh, youth being exploited into labour. And... <laughs> definitely yeah. not. Um, no, of course it's all healthy. It's all above board, and there are definitely no long-winded documentaries about everything the Roblox Corporation is doing wrong. Uh, yeah, laid out in excruciating detail. Um, but yeah, no, it would be interesting to see um, what the future holds for, for robots, for, 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 for GTA, and for your children. Um, I yeah. wish all, all of them all the best and all the health in the world. Uh, before we go, Jonesy, one last thing I wanted to quickly touch on um, as uh, something that is, well, uh, depending on how your newsfeed is created, something that you'll have been reading a lot about in the past couple of weeks, but also something that Jonesy, both you and I have been playing and in my ignorance, I forgot to ask you about in the designated what have you been playing this past week section of the show, which I just completely skimped over. Um, unfortunately, though, I know the answer to the question, and I'm pretty sure it starts with an H and ends in a 2. It does. Um, the only thing I have been playing is Helldivers 2, and with you as well, and like we said earlier, with some, with some people in the Discord, um, and also with uh, public matchmaking, and, you know, it's... Mm -hmm. What a fantastic game and fantastic time to be a to be a gamer 
and be able to hop in and play well sometimes be able to hop in and play some hell divers too if the servers aren't uh exploding at the seams um which they have been every night now i think since since friday night pretty much yes yeah they are they've been um they've been difficult uh to put it mildly um no i i I'm sure. I'm sure that that game will wane, and I'm sure that it will be something that people kind of go, "Oh, do you know what? I think I've, I think I've reached the end of this. I've got the most as much out of it as I'm going to get." But at the moment, I'm still um, thoroughly enjoying it. And and a big part of that is if you if you look at the Twitter threads, if you look at the little videos people are making, if you look at some of those like fun little um, things that can happen to you in that game, I think that is in no small part is its success. And and I think playing with other people, like playing with you and and the guys on the Discord and and you know patrons and things it's that game that just gets ratcheted up to another level like when you're when you're laughing your head off and you're going like they're everywhere help me out and you're sort of like you know that it it really does um it really does get elevated to the sort of game that i think we all like hope to play when you in in the sense of whenever we see a new game get dropped and then they do that thing where they sit on stage and they're team together like they did back in the day with the division and they're like uh, contact to left and then you get the reality of what it's actually like to play that right. game and you've got some 14 year old twat going oh you knobhead what are you doing and but hell divers really has got some um because the interactions aren't supposed to be sensible they're not supposed to be marine right. style they're supposed to be over the top like the bloody characters themselves laugh maniacally when they're uh unleashing you know clip after clip on on bugs and automatons so um i think yes. they hit the tone beautifully i'm loving it i'm not very good I do a lot of friendly fire by accident, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, yeah, well, you're doing your part. Like that's what people could ask of you. I'm doing my part for democracy, Jamie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, um, no, it's it's been really in- encouraging to see, and obviously, like between the the volume of concurrent users and some of the sort of the lofty heights uh, those have hit, and and the, the the degree to which they're having to increase their server capacity, I'm sure that's both a headache. And a blessing at the same time. I thought it was interesting that concurrent players uh, hit such a high in this past week that it was the highest of any uh, title that was, I think, published by PlayStation or Xbox. So overtaking uh, Destiny 2 and Starfield, respectively. Um, and, in, and in doing so, kind of becomes, along with Power World, I suppose, which was a different kind of success. Power World was, it blew up, it was everywhere. It was the biggest game on the planet for a weekend, and then <laughs> the trail off began. Helldivers has had a kind of it. Will, who knows, it won't peak at the same point as Power World, that's for sure. Well, at least it seems pretty sure, but it's had a slower, a slower on ramp, that's for sure, um, and perhaps a slightly more sustained sort of like middle period of success as a result. But um, there, there must be a lot of companies out there of different shapes and sizes taking a good degree of encouragement that like the quote unquote viral successes. And games that are born out of strong word of mouth for adhering to pretty simple values like hey make the game fun are just as viable in 2024 as they were as they have been ever if not more so like price the game right make it fun helps if you let people play it with their friends and like word will spread yes uh and yeah and i think it just points to the fact of if you just if you just nail um, you know, s- certain things, well, not not, na- not even nail them, but if you just like put love into game and put into games and, and, and really believe, yeah. I think really believe in game, a game that you're making, then um, 
yeah then it can it can hit and it can do really well for you um I'm, it, it made me think of the fact I'd, I'd seen in the week uh someone had mentioned um that in stark contrast to hell divers 2 and how well that's sort of performing and as to juxtapose it uh suicide squad kill the justice league on steam i think is at the moment um struggling to maintain like a, a, a thousand players yeah. which is which is like baffling when you consider a company like rocksteady and and the size they've been and you know hell divers and then you look at those two games and you say like well suicide squad's only been out for a few weeks um and i'm i'm assuming the hell divers isn't going to take a nosedive in the next couple of weeks but the fact that you can have a 30 pound game um do as well as it's doing with so many people playing it and you could take a game like suicide squad kill the justice league which is now probably doing worse than marvel's avengers was doing at the same point in this life cycle like almost definitely is, almost definitely doing worse yeah it's is shocking yeah uh it's it, it's it's been really kind of like quite stark seeing the two release relatively close to one another and one another and so being able to kind of compare the two quite directly in terms of how they launched the word of mouth the kind of the positivity and the feelings around them the sentiment um and then yeah the you, the kind of the the tales that they've had uh, the case of suicide squad like it's really not hard for me as someone who has finished that game to believe that it's experiencing what it's experiencing um the the the, the fact that um we're sat here on the 20th of february at the time of recording and I still don't know for sure when season one of Suicide Squad is arriving beyond, I think at some point in March, um, is baffling to me, especially when I you know, mer merge that with um, my thoughts and experiences with just how limited uh, the, the Suicide Squad's endgame is. Um, like The most damning thing I could say about Suicide Squad is that, uh, as I hinted at in a, in a recent episode of the podcast, I was still having fun well in, when i rolled credits um on the suicide squad and immediately ran out of reasons to play right. um like the, the fact that they lost someone like me who could have actually been you know i would I'd have kept it quiet don't get me wrong not <laughs> out here for getting crucified online but like the fact that a theoretical suicide squad fan got lost in the result of how they've handled sort of like the end game and the gap between launch and actual seasonal content or any content at all um and then also I feel they really botched their first update considering how many things are still, you know, broken or wrong or underwhelming about that game. And they pushed out this uh, initial update that was targeting, you know, overpowered builds and things like that. And it's like, guys, there are there's surely there are bigger fish to fry than there are people who are using a certain build that's allowing them to do too much damage in your already repetitive endgame content. Like... Like really that that's the top thing you're addressing like, and i get it it's a live service game and there are probably all kinds of um statistics and and information they've got that suggests that an overpowered build means that people complete things too quickly which means they get loot too quickly which means they get satisfied too quickly which means they stop playing too quickly and we live in such a fucking uh, occasionally dystopian feeling time for video games that an overpowered build is probably the worst thing for player retention on planet earth and so maybe that's why it becomes the top priority for the perspective of people who are just trying to fucking have fun it looks fucking like like a shitty fucking move and when helldivers is out here like and it's going through way more launch problems and and cues and like fucking server side issues than suicide squad ever had 
actually that maybe not necessarily ever had Suicide Squad did launch with a bug that let players complete the game <laughs> yeah, by launching it. So, <laughs> yeah. so on entering it's like a caveat. Um, but yeah, like I, basically what I'm saying is that like it's quite stark when you lay the two out side by side and see what went right, what went wrong, and this kind of reoccurring theme that we see a lot um, that is actually the name of the blog post that the last time I visited Arrowhead's website is at the top of the of the, of the homepage, which is that a, a, a game for everyone is a game for no one. And the more you simplify and homogenize your game and try and make a product that appeals to as many different people as possible with colored and tiered loot and endless skill trees and all you know all the kind of mod cons that people have convinced themselves they want when actually like people just want to drop a bomb on aliens and kill one of their friends in the process yes yeah absolutely and i think and it's the um it's the the other thing with uh with held i mean I, i'm sure part of it as well is that when you have a game which should be really good like Rot suicide squad should have been really good it had all the reasons to be good and then it seems to have just failed. And then Hell got Hell Divers came out of nowhere, um, not nowhere, but like you know, came out of relatively sm a smaller area, and people weren't thinking it was going to be the next massive thing. And then when you play it and go, oh damn, this is actually fantastic! Like that does a lot. And and getting it out there and and people showing videos of being like, wow, this game's actually fantastic, and getting yeah. people to jump in and play it um, in that way rather than people playing something they thought was going to be good and being let down. I'm sure that does a lot of the heavy lifting. But no, I think you're yes. right. I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. To make a game which tries to appeal to everyone, you're gonna like. If you say, "Oh, we can't have people enjoying killing bugs too much because um, some people might not like that," so we're actually, we're not gonna have your character laugh like a crazy person when they like empty a full machine gun clip into like no, do it. And then you got guys that are screaming, "Ah, oh, my leg!" And then just like die, you know, whatever. I, all that stuff's fantastic. And I'm I'm feel vindicated as well because I kept when I saw the trailers back in. Like quite a while ago, I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's Starship Troopers the game, but a, but a good version." Like, I want to, I want to play that. Ouch! Not, I, I'm being too mean. I don't, I don't mean to be too mean about it. No, no, that, that game is concentrating. You're allowed, you're allowed to be mean <laughs> to Starship Troopers game. Um, but for the fact that now that all the Starship Trooper memes I see, I'm just like, I'm. So, they, they, they. I was one of the people that they were making this game for, and I fully am on board with it. Like dumping a clip of a machine gun into a bug that is bearing down on you and doesn't die until it's half a foot in front of you is so satisfying. Like, I could do it all day. Yep. They got the fundamentals absolutely bang on. So, uh, more power to them. And yeah, I hope Helldivers 2 goes on to become like a bit of a, I don't know, like a, like a, like, a, I don't know, a positive beacon, a beacon of, uh, of positive energy and a, and a reminder of, what a huge amount of people out there playing and buying games want uh, from the software at this point in time. So, yeah, nice in some respects to end what I, th what I think is a net positive note. Like, I know we slagged off a couple of games uh, that got caught in the undertow there. Apologies to Suicide Squad. A lot of really uh, talented and hardworking people yeah. uh, lost a lot, spent a lot of time uh, making that game what it is, and it has some uh, extremely strong attributes and deserves to be more in some regards deserves to be more celebrated than it is i look but, forward to playing it when it goes on sale maybe wait till it's free um, <laughs> um but yeah that's video games i guess um thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the super show podcast again a cheeky a cheeky shout out and i guess almost an apology as well to the folks that caught the one-off 
a first 10 minutes of this podcast in a live format before I um, cut things short and had a little cry and Josie got me to puke and rally and we recorded this offline version that is pouring into your eyes and ears as we speak. Thank you all so much for sticking with us and for enjoying, hopefully, this episode of the podcast. Thank you, Jonesy, for uh, being such a wonderful Sherpa up the mountain of video games once again. Um, I love you. Thank you, mate, for uh, for being such a, a fantastic host, as always, and doing all of the work on the back end for pulling all the information together. I think I don't give you enough uh, credit for every week in, week out doing that, and people probably don't realise how hey. much effort you put in behind the scenes. You know what? So thank you, mate. It's, it's not effort or work when you love video games. We love them. Hopefully you love them too. And if you do truly love video games, then you'll do me a favour and keep your eyes and ears tuned to the YouTube channel this time next week for what will hopefully be the release of a very special and very fun and nostalgia fueled episode 200. Look forward to it, and we will see you there. And with that, I'll say goodbye. See ya.